You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about new commitments for Illinois football. Two of them, uh, one from kicker David Alano out of Naperville North and the other out of three-star Florida DB, Jaheim Clark. So we'll talk about the reaction uh, of those guys getting added to the class, the reaction of other official visitors from this weekend, and what's left to address with 10 commitments now on the board. Joey Wagner, it's been a a healthy month for Illinois football recruiting so far, adding this many commitments. Uh, Just what do you think overall of the class right now, Joey, before we dive into the newest commitments? I mean, overall, we have to acknowledge it's pretty close i mean it's more than halfway to the end of what they're doing here what we think they're going to do which is kind of weird it feels like to say on june 20th but we knew it was going to be a smaller class and we've just seen the process i think we talked about that a lot last year with how they go about things and we've seen that come to fruition again in official visitor month is i mean this isn't unique to illinois it's a really big month they go in they try to close down and they have closed down last year obviously a little bit different because you wanted to close some of those down early and they brought in a, uh, a good group of commitments in that first weekend but you just you see the process is is sound you're maybe refining it a little bit here or there but it's been a pretty productive month for brett bielma and his coaching staff and obviously there's still a couple big uh big fish out there they hope to land by the way, since we've added Trevor Valise, we've been trying some different things, whether it's our YouTube channel uh, or here on the podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying those, but we are live streaming this on YouTube. We're going to try and do that with some of our uh, podcasts moving forward. So anyone watching live on this, hey, you are watching the test run. So if you have any issues, uh, deal with it uh, with us, please. But um, we're going to try and do some of this. I think a lot for the uh, post-game uh, reaction podcast or, or live commitments emergency podcast. I think it could be a lot of fun. So shout out to Trevor Valise for doing the Brett signal. Shout out to Trevor for doing some different things. Uh, We're glad to have him on board, Joey, uh, and trying this stuff out. But let's dive into it. I agree with you. Ten commitments in this class. I think a lot of these guys, Jaheim Clark, um, you know, Zachary Amlin was a little bit of a surprise, but some of these guys we kind of expected them to close on coming into the month. Cal Swanson, obviously a new name at quarterback. Pat Farrell was a guy we expected them to, to close on at some point. But adding Jamarion Harkless, TJ McMillan late in May, uh, Zachary Amlin, Rico Jackson, uh, maybe some guys who, who surprised us uh, maybe a month ago from where we stood. But let's talk about the kicker, kind of the headline addition this weekend in David Alano out of Naperville North. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the YouTube channel yesterday, Joey, but are you surprised that Illinois took a scholarship and invested into a kicker right away because this is something I needed to see to believe because a lot of coaches prefer to go the preferred walk-on route before giving a scholarship to a kicker, make him earn it. Uh, But Brett Bielema, I think it says a lot about what he thinks about David Alano uh, to put a scholarship into him. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to see Brett Bielema do this every three or four years. I think David Alano was an in-state guy who – it was pretty clear, Jeremy. Uh, I know you talked to him a good deal before he committed. It was pretty clear by his comments that Illinois was somewhere that he 
he really wanted to be. And I think to make that work, understandably, a scholarship was important to him. And I, I just thought you kind of ultimately were going to have to go that route. I think the getting rid of the 25 uh, initial counter, the NCAA doing away with that probably opened the door for this to happen earlier, maybe even if at all, but I think definitely earlier. I, I didn't know that we would be talking about it on May 19th and May, when he committed, May 20th the next day, or not May, I'm sorry, June. But it makes sense. It does make sense because you got to get a kicker, man. And when you have a really good one, we saw him, Jeremy, on Thursday, and he was booing him. I mean, like, he could have walked onto a college field Thursday and made some field goals in, in a game. Like, that that translates really pretty easily. He's not the biggest kid. <laughs> He's really – like, we, we saw Caleb Griffin on Thursday, who we assume will be the starter this year. And then we saw uh, David Alano later. And those are pretty – significant physical difference between the two but he, he's got a leg and i just you you kind of had to do it i didn't know it would be now but it makes sense yeah i think it's really encouraging the one thing i had questions with david alano was okay let's see the leg strength of a guy who's probably five foot nine i'm five foot nine i talked with him like 150 pounds right at, at the most and the fact that he was booming kickoffs to the goal line uh was really encouraging and then his leg strength on field goals is phenomenal. He had one where Caleb Griffin, I believe, was holding it for him uh, during the camp, and, and he just boomed it from 50 yards, uh, and he had much more leg left on that. And he was accurate. The, the, the drill we saw, he hit seven of eight uh, in a row. The one he missed was 40 from the left hash, and that'll happen. But he was four or five during his high school season, his first high school season uh, as a kicker. But – Chris Saylor ranks him the number one kicker in the country. Cole, uh, Jamie Cole ranks him number 21. The discrepancy there could be as simple as who's attended whose camp, right? How many times? And But obviously he's well thought of kicker. We saw him uh, up close. It's the real deal. And then Joey, he's a kid who's only been kicking footballs for 15 months. Like that, that is Will McManus is a similar story. Preferred walkout who's coming in, maybe not as much leg strength as David Alano, though. Uh, the fact that he's only been doing this for 15 months and already is this well thought of. Notre Dame had given him a preferred walkout offer this past weekend. So I think Illinois knew that, hey, if, if we're going to give him a scholarship eventually, which I think was the plan, we might as well do it now. But it's, it's something a lot of coaches don't do because if you invest in a kicker who's not going to a scholarship into a kicker is not going to contribute for you. Um, that that's a that's kind of a risky thing, right? Like if you're not sold on him being the guy at some point and for a long point of his career. So I think we know he's good. He's a really good prospect. He's an in-state kid. But Joey, how quickly do you think he will be the guy at Illinois? Well, and he told you, Jeremy, Brett Bielema wants him there in January. Uh, Oh boy, Brett Bielma wants him there in January, so that means as early as a year from now, right? I mean, Brett Bielma. We know first of all, we know Brett Bielma is a big fan of early enrollments. I mean, that's not. I don't think any of us are surprised at that. We saw that in the first class, but this Brett Bielma was pretty clear that there was some inconsistencies in the kicking game in spring ball. We saw and it in the spring I, I game. In the spring game, we saw it too. And obviously, we, we didn't see anything else in spring ball. We did see the spring game and what was going on there. I don't know if I'm ready to sound the alarms yet. Uh, I think there's still – the time we did see Caleb Griffin uh, during the 2020 COVID year, he was uh, – I thought he was pretty good. So, 
I don't know that I'm freaking out about that, but Brett Bielema wants him in early, wants him to com- compete for that spot early. And I, I don't think this is a position that you have to wait around on. If a kid can hit field goals and a kid can kick off and get touchbacks, it doesn't really matter. If that means kick it and run to the sideline and get the heck out of the way, I great. I'm halfway kidding, but you can like that's a position that you can contribute immediately. Well, Joey, uh, JoJo Hayden, three-star commitment out of East St. Louis. I think that's where you're reacting to. Oh, boy. Um, He he committed OMG, another one. Uh, So we may have a live reaction to a commitment at some point on this podcast. Still waiting for the the Brett signal, which uh, Trevor can tweet out his new Brett signal gif, which was – or video, which was fantastic. Uh, By the way, you can check that out, Illini 24-7. Go ahead. I can't wait for everybody to take that. Oh, where do we see this? It's Trevor. Let's put that on the table now. Trevor made that. All right, let's let's dive into the other one. Uh, we expected a Florida DB. I kind of expect a couple of Florida DBs, and I'm wondering if that's what this one is about. Jaheim Clark uh, commits to Illinois, had an offer from Iowa State, had about, you know, seemed like 20 other group of five offers as well. 6-1, a little thin at 165. I think that's the drawback to him. But you put on the film, Joey, long, athletic, uh, great ball skills. And I, I I hate to use this comp because I feel like we're going to use it too much, but who is another skinny Florida kid who was a ball hawk, but he didn't know how he'd match up physically. Uh, it was Kirby Joseph, a kind of prospect here. Interestingly, Illinois kind of sees him as a cornerback right away. Uh, but he did say to Andrew Ivins, our expert down in Florida, they could see me at free safety. They could see me seemingly at nickel is the other position he was talking about. So bring some versatility. I think he's going to need time to add strength necessary. I, I kind of have questions about corner because you got to be pretty physical there. But if he does add the strength with Tank Wright, maybe he can do that. But to me, it's it's ball skills. To me, it's a guy who can make plays on the ball. That's why, to me, it would make sense as free safety. But that might depend on who else they add in this class. Because if Jair Hill's added to this class, I think Jair Hill's going to have that free safety spot. But long, athletic, ball skills, that seems to be a priority in this class for them. Yeah, it does. And I wonder if the corner, the projection to him early at corner, remember, they only took, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Two corners in the 2022 class, Elijah McCantos and Xavier Scott. Do they feel like they maybe need to to kind of load up on that one early and and then rearrange as needed? I don't know. Um, I'm with you. Safety seems to make more sense. And maybe we are just in this like Kirby Joseph bubble, right, where we see that and it's like free safety, free safety, free safety. Uh, but it makes sense too. We I think we think similarly like someone like Prince Green who just screams 2023 free safety. The difference with Prince is he's like 200 pounds, right? right he's six right. foot three. Um, you know, Kirby was a, a skinnier guy coming in. That's why mm-hmm. I, I kind of use that comp, not to say he's going to be a top 100 draft pick, but I think that's the mold. And I even saw Elijah McCanto say Kirby 2.0. So uh, a guy who's been in that DB room, we do have to bring this up, Joey. Is it, um, is it a requirement? to be a Florida native to play cornerback at Illinois. Uh, Terrell Jennings is not a Florida native, um, so he's he's going to be the one in that room, but everybody else is a Florida native. And this goes back to, to Lovey, man. I, I, I will say Florida guys want to play defensive back, and they seem to have the mentality of they're the man. Like, you got to be so confident 
to play DB because you're going to get beat, right? But to come back and be as confident that you're the best player in the field, I think that's what Aaron Henry, a Florida native, likes of those guys, Kinoto Hudson, Lovey Smith, kind of the same way. I mean, I think that was also Aaron Henry. I mean, that was just who he was. He was a very confident football player. But, yeah, that's – I get it. I mean, you look at it, it's kind of jarring. Like, really, every cornerback on the roster for the most part, and hey, man, if it works – and, they, and we also have to acknowledge Aaron Henry has he's well thought of in the state of Florida. Ryan Walters has connections in the state of Florida. Those two are really good recruiters to begin with. And they're, they're really good coaches who have produced last year at Illinois specifically. Brett Bielma, too. Uh, Brett Bielma's got a great history of of recruiting Florida. And, uh, you know, New Jersey and Florida certainly have been the complementary spots. In-state recruiting is going to kind of be the the foundation for Illinois, they hope. They want to get more into Wisconsin, um, Missouri, St. Louis. They still hope to to recruit well. But they want to get into Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky we've seen them get into, Ohio they want to get more into. But Florida is certainly going to be a place where you go find skill players. And, uh seems like more Florida guys want to be because I go to these camps Joey and you see like dozens of receivers guys working out at receiver at these camps and then there's like 10 DBs right and so these DBs get all of these reps and they get all this work and as Marquez Beeson wanted to be a DB because he saw the money that was there in the NFL because those guys are at a premium you just saw two guys going to what the top four or five of the NFL draft were, were DBs were cornerbacks. So I, I would encourage more guys who are wide receivers and solid at it. Go play, go play, uh, go play some DB because uh, you can make some good money and probably get some scholarships there. I would say the same thing about six foot five basketball post players. Like go play some football. You might, might find a lot of power five uh, offers there, but they needed to start on the DBs in this class, right? I think they need four uh, maybe in this class, maybe they only go with three, but you're losing Sidney Brown. You're losing uh, Quan Martin, who's a really important part of this defense. Kendall Smith's probably going to start at safety this year, and, and maybe Devin Witherspoon, right? So uh, I think there's a path to early playing time for guys like Jair Hill or Sabur Kareem. I think Jaheim Clark probably going to take more time to develop here, but they still need more depth and more options, uh, especially a corner in this class. I've now distracted myself. There's a walk-on story. I think Brett Bielema had, right? The, guy, the kid couldn't play wide receiver very well. He moved him to defensive back, and he went to the NFL. Do you remember that? We've heard this story a hundred times. I'm trying to Google it. I, I, I know one of the walk-ons at Wisconsin was Aberderis was a wide receiver, but that's that doesn't work for your example there. It doesn't. I'll, I'll find it eventually. At any rate, I also think, Jeremy, with like the defensive backs, they've never seen panic in that recruiting I, I just feel like they had enough targets on their board they, they must have felt good about their ability to wow them or to bring them uh to campus to get them here to, to land a commitment this wasn't one of those where we saw like oh okay they're widening their net a little bit it felt like it feels like the targets haven't really changed for the better part of a few months here and they should be confident in, in what they can do ryan walters specifically Kirby Joseph is a sell, but I, that guy should bring up in every single recruiting meeting from now until the end of time. He just should, and, and that should resonate. Can we bring up some other ones? Can he use Tony Adams? I mean, Tony Adams signed a really good deal with the New York Gi- or New York Jets as an undrafted free agent. We expect it would be six figures, right? And uh, Sidney Brown, man, they are 
There is not enough. That'll be one that. Yeah, there cannot be enough month. hype right now uh, from that staff or great feelings about what Sidney Brown is going to do this year. Like they feel he is going to be as good of a player as they've had uh, the last couple of years at Illinois. So they they feel great about what Sidney Brown's going to do. Devin Witherspoon, Aaron has said, has got NFL things. Now it's just about putting it all together. And he had a really good season last year. I thought he played uh, at an All-Big Ten level, got All-Big Ten honorable mention. So you feel good about what you got this year. It's about what are they going to have after this group of really good DBs. And, you know, last year they – they what added five DBs, three safety prospects, and Matthew Bailey, TJ Griffin, and Tyson Rooks that may take time to develop. Uh, and then at corner, I think Elijah McCantos, who had an injury during spring, they feel can play right away. Uh, but after that injury, we'll see. And then Xavier Scott's just arriving. So there's a lot of prospects there. There's a lot of bodies, but they need to add more with all all the all the players they're losing. I would expect the transfer portal, they, they would add maybe one body uh, during the offseason just to give them more experience. But it's going to be an interesting group. I, I think Keontae Curry is a kid who can play this year. Uh, we'll see if Tyler Strain or, or D.D. Snyder uh, can step up and, and, and play some kind of rotation role this year. Taz Nicholson is going to be a big part um, this year too, Joey. But there's some names there, but uh, a lot of question marks after that starting group. There is, and I, I do. I want to say I do wonder what our discussion about McCantos would be had he been able to go through spring ball. Because I mean, I think Jeremy, you and I like just saw him in normal clothes, not in a uniform, and he looked physically pretty solid, right? I mean, he looked like a somebody who could get in there early. The spring—it's just hard when you kind of get so locked in on spring ball, and then you're like, "Oh, right, we haven't talked about him." Well, he didn't play. But there, there's some—I I agree with you. The portal could be something though I do think it's worth watching Keontae Curry and Prince Green not we'll see this year I I don't expect a ton this year but that 23 year Curry could be a Sidney Brown or a Quan Martin type of role whether that be nickel or that in the box safety and Prince Green I mean I there was some pretty solid buzz really about both of those two he could be in that Kirby Joseph role is this what we're going to call it from now on Jeremy when we're talking safety, like, is he going to be the, the Sidney Brown? Is he going to be the Kirby yeah. Joseph? Will that carry over year over year? Yeah, Can th- we make it? The way I describe it, so some people call it free or, or strong, and I know Ryan has certain names for him. Um, I would go with center fielder and in-the-box safety. Like, that's kind of how, how I look at it. Who, who's the guy who's coming up and, and making hits? And that's Sidney Brown. I think Keontae Curry could eventually play that. I think T.J. Griffin, Matthew Bailey are likely in that mold, while Tyson Rooks, He's a center fielder. Jair Hill, he's a center fielder. If, if they would have gotten Damon Walters, he's more the Sidney Brown type of role. Jaheim Clark is a cover guy, right? Like more than an in-the-box kind of thumper. So that's kind of how I think of him. Yeah, I'm going to just call it the Sidney safety and the Kirby safety from here on. Um, and hopefully you know what I'm talking about. But I won't be changing that. But yeah, there, there are two the larger point Jeremy there are a lot of prospects and I I think the timing actually works out pretty well for defensive backs because you have really two years from from the time this coaching staff got hired you definitely know you have two years of of players there and probably pretty solid play and that allows you to kind of develop some guys back there like you don't have to rush a Prince Green or Keontae Curry in to the starting lineup this year. You don't have to rely on them to be that. And I think if you can establish that early and just let it keep trickling down, see running back, 
uh, in this system or offensive line in this system. Now they were assisted by some of the lovey guys, lovey recruits deciding to stay, getting a Kendall Smith back. Like you do have to acknowledge that there's still a lot of lovey's yeah. players who are making a significant impact here. But there are a couple positions where there's like the traditional quote unquote development timeline. And I think defensive bat is one of them, though I do agree that maybe an experienced portal player could help. I think one of the positions we felt good about Lovey recruiting was DB, right? Like I feel like one, he had a lot of experience with and knew what to look for. Uh, but I thought Kinoto Hudson did a pretty good job. Now, maybe Joriel Washington didn't work out. I don't know if all of these guys that they recruited will stay there. But, you know, they seem encouraged by, by D.D. And, and Tyler Strain and, and what those guys can eventually uh, bring to the position. And Prince Green, too, as you just mentioned. So, uh, yeah, I think Aaron Henry's kind of continued what, what Hudson and, and Lovey Smith were bringing to the position. And, and now I think you're, you're shooting for some higher targets we'll talk about here coming up. Let's break down quickly, Joey, the other official visitors, any thoughts we have on them. Let's start with Kanari Wiltshire. If I had to pick maybe a guy that I would think has a great chance of being in this class, Kanari Wiltshire is probably towards the top of my list there. Uh, six foot one DB, about 175 pounds, so well built for a kid just going into his senior year. The biggest thing, though, is speed. Greasy, fast, speed. Ran a 4-3-2, I was told, at a Miami camp. Even if that's a fast time, he's a sub-4-5 guy. They could see as a returner. Uh, and, and I think would probably play corner or, or the nickel spot. But um, maybe he's a guy who's got that positional versatility. But he's got a visit to Indiana coming up, Joey. This seems like another one Illinois sitting in a pretty good spot for. Yeah, and we, we did see a 20 or- – uh, defensive back cancel his visit next weekend uh or i guess i should say won't be taking that visit we don't know where the the i guess it kind of fell apart a little bit there but that i i, I think that, that does yeah kamari mckinley i i think that's says illinois probably feels pretty good about where it, where it sits with its db targets right right and, and wilcher i didn't realize he was taking an official visit until thursday jeremy um it was kind of under the radar thing and yeah it's another big 10 battle too at a position of uh, of both need need in terms of numbers not in terms of get on the field immediately in 2023 need but yeah speed is speed is a big thing for him and, and you cannot have enough of that yeah that's absolutely true so so you have if you could get wilcher and clark on board and then you shoot your shot i think for for the top targets on your board which are Probably Jair Hill, Zach Toby, who we'll talk about here in a second, and then Sabor Kareem as well. Another one I'm really interested in, Joey, is Mason Moragan. One of the more interesting recruitments of the guys who visited this weekend because Illinois has been his only Power 5 offer for the last month. They jumped on board last month. Uh, It seems like they've developed a really good relationship. I know Terrence Jamison, the defensive line coach, wants to get into Michigan a little bit more, as they should, because there's a lot of good football talent in Michigan, Ohio area. And uh, Mason Moragan just went to Auburn and got their defensive line MVP of their camp. They did not offer. He went to Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati just doesn't probably have enough scholarship spots. Um, But they didn't offer Moragan. But he was scheduled uh, to camp at Michigan and Purdue this week. I know Illinois was really trying to close this one because they they like him a lot as a prospect and at a need position, right? Defensive line is a need position. So I'm interested to see where this one goes. Does Moragan jump on board or does he follow through with these camps? Uh, I think the Michigan one would be the, the big one, right? I mean, Purdue's a good program. Karloftis just got drafted very high in the NFL draft, so I'm not going to downplay 
Purdue and what that offer could mean if, if they offered. But I think Michigan would be the, the big one if, if they decided to offer. And they got a lot of spots still uh, left in their class. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, he's been a really interesting recruitment because it doesn't – like you look at him, it's like why doesn't he have more offers – on the table he's obviously performing well at these camps uh it, it feels like he's just i know we talked about this on thursday jim it just feels like he is on the cusp of taking that next step in his recruitment and if you're illinois you would probably like to stop that before it happens <laughs> right. uh because you, you like the guy and you don't you just joey okla that thing i know i've said that before but just joey okla shut it down before it goes and i uh, getting him on campus for a visit helps, but you can't blame him for wanting to go put himself in the position to get in front of more eyes and, and give himself more options. Even if you like somewhere, options are good. And this is still a position of need for Illinois. I know they got the big one in Jamarion Harkless. That's a, that's a good get. I mean, that's a very good get, but you can't just have one. And if you like a guy like Mason Moragan and you've been on him and you've been trying to, to shut this thing down, I know we'll talk about another target here in a little bit, Jeremy, but that's, that's a pretty good target on the board still for him. And yeah. you want to you wanna try to get that. Yeah, solid D-line depth, right? And this is a kid that, for De La Salle Collegiate, was a really good program. He had 31 tackles for loss last year for a team that won the state championship and went undefeated, 12 sacks. Um, so you, you like kids from that kind of program as well that, that know that they've gotten really good coaching. All right, Calvin Smith, another guy we learned late in the week was taking an official visit, kind of a guy who's kept quiet about his recruitment. I haven't been able to talk to him after uh, the official visit, but I know Illinois felt really good going into this one. You and I didn't know if they were going to take another edge. They seem like they definitely want to take another edge rusher. Maybe that's after DJ Johnson leaves the program after just one year here. Uh, but I, I turn on his film, and I, I really like him. Uh, I can see why he's got a lot of Power 5 offers. He's about six foot four, 235, but for a big man, he's got a great burst off the edge. And I think he's a great compliment to Pat Farrell, who I kind of see as more of a kind of a strong side defensive end type, more the Owen Carney type, while Calvin Smith I see as a, a very disruptive edge rusher to add to the likes of, of Gabe Ackes and Jared Beatty. I think he and Jared Beatty are kind of of a similar build, and I think those guys would, would really help. So uh, Pitt is in here. Rutgers hosted him for an official visit as well. So that's some good Power 5 competition. Pat Narduzzi, really good coordinator. Obviously, Greg Schiano uh, brings a different element to, to Rutgers, but um, to add him I think would be maybe an under-the-radar one because we haven't talked about him a lot, Joey, but I think he'd be one of the better gets in this class so far. Yeah, it would be a good get, and and I'm with you. I, I didn't just didn't know after they take Pat Farrell and they took two edges last year, and they still have some. They feel good about their depth this year, edge wise, and you would bring a lot of those guys back next year. But we're seeing the importance of this position in the defense. I mean, this is a, a lot of the production that they got out of Isaiah Gay and I, Owen Carr. I mean, that, that buoyed them a lot in that second half defensively. Now, it wasn't just those guys, but you saw when it's all firing how important that is. So, yeah, I, I didn't see two, but I guess, Jeremy, we talked earlier, I didn't see a kicker on June 20th either. either. So, there's some either this is an adjustment they made maybe they realized that Calvin Smith was more available than previously thought or this was the plan all along I, we don't know but we, we are seeing them kind of move different pieces on the recruiting boards and we saw that last year too right we saw that with Sean Miller we saw that with Mountain Smaller and I think we're going to continue to see that and you should because the 25 is gone 
So yeah. just get your guys and figure it out. Yeah, they got Samuel Sam supposed to visit this weekend, defense, uh, edge rusher out of Kansas City area. I, I got to say, like, Kevin Kane has done as well of building up his position than maybe anyone but Corey Patterson. Like, I mean, running back, adding Aiden Lawford, Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan, pretty good pretty good run there uh, for, for Corey Patterson. Then Trevor Burnett is a walk-on. Uh, but to add what they've added in Gabe Ackes and Jared Beatty, two of the best gets in last year's class, I would go with Aiden Lawfrey and Sean Miller there. I, I think George McDonald's done a really good job so far at wide receiver. He's got a big one still left on the board in the class of uh, 2023, of course. But, you know, Sean Miller, Ian Pugh, Hank Beatty, great starts. And then he really likes Ashton Hollins. But I think Kevin Kane. This isn't exactly starting a position from scratch because edge rushers are defensive ends, basically. But they've gotten a different style and a different caliber of edge rusher than Illinois has had in a while, Joey. Yeah, I mean, Gabe Ackes was signing day. And Tennessee, this wasn't like, like Tennessee was kind of in and they kind of weren't in. Tennessee was all in. Like, they, they thought they, they had him. <laughs> and I, I think they were taken aback when they didn't and Jared Beatty had offers from Tennessee I mean he had them from all over the place too Kevin Kane is sneaky just going in there getting the work done and building up a group I mean we obviously we we understood how big Ack is and how big Beatty were but then it was just kind of like okay like that's probably on us a little bit but he's really he's put together a heck of a room there and is continuing to do that and you'll Will we see them take two edge rushers every year? I think one, obviously, but will you see them take two? I don't know. I mean, I'm not willing to say no. That it's, That's a hard one to read in terms of numbers because just they're in the mix with some pretty solid guys. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Alec Bryant, former four-star prospect transfers of, uh, from Virginia Tech. I uh, didn't play there, uh, basically, but uh, we saw him. He certainly looks the part, and he's got four years of eligibility left. All right, wide receiver Fama Toure, another one that's kind of under the radar, Joey, but I think he's a really good player. Six foot three, 200 pounds. Uh, talk with somebody out in Jersey, and they think he's maybe a little underrated uh, out there, but this seems to come down to Illinois and Rutgers, and it come, seems to come down to me. Is Rutgers going to take him? They have three wide receivers, potentially four wide receivers already committed in the class. His brother plays at Rutgers. So if Rutgers pushes, I think it's, it's a home state school. It's similar program, right, at this point. Similar kind of coaches. Uh, it's just one's closer to home, one's got the family connection. But if Illinois gets him, I think he's a really good addition. Six foot three, 200 pounds, physical, athletic, uh, the kind of body they need in the wide receiver room and kind of lacked. They need a guy uh, who can hat tip to Matt Spiegel at 670 score, go up and get it. A guagi guy. They, they need some of those. And while LZ is, of course, the number one target, I think Toure would be a, a really good get there. So he's going to visit Rutgers this week for an official visit, midweek official visit. Uh, so we should know pretty soon on him. Bill Bielman's just going into various different Big Ten footprints and throwing haymakers, didn't he? Well, it's the, the interesting battles we talked about last year was Iowa, Illinois, all the time, right? Time after time, it was coming down to those two schools, it felt like. This time, it's Illinois, Wisconsin, which isn't going well, which is understandable because Wisconsin's Wisconsin. But Illinois Rutgers getting into a lot of battles here. Be on the starting fights in the Big Ten, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, Torrey would be good. Obviously, LZ, could you get both, right? I, t- I, mean, I tell you what, it's better to have those battles, and no offense because USF kicked the you-know-what out of Illinois, 
but it's better to get into those battles than like USF, right? Which Illinois has been in many times in previous years. That was such a good dad censorship moment from you, Jeremy. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. But yeah, I, you're seeing some people wanted, right? When they watch recruiting, they wanted to see Illinois in Power Five battles. And Illinois is in those. And Illinois, Michigan. Those, you're seeing Illinois, Michigan battles, right? And look, you're in Power Five battles. It's harder to win than not Power Five battles. Like, you're going to lose some. That's just a fact of this. I don't know what the situation will be with him. Uh, going from Illinois to Rutgers, that's a busy that's a busy turnaround for, for Torre to go in there and do that. But, yeah, if, that, that would make sense, right? If you're Rutgers and you won him, that would, that's a perfect fit. Go play with your brother. Stay close to home. But if you're Illinois, you, you hope you can sneak one out and, and the cards fall. You've seen the cards fall for Illinois a few times in the right way. You, you hope maybe you can do that again. And if you compare him and LZ on top of the four wide receivers you brought – four, right? Am I thinking? Mm-hmm. My, yeah, four wide receivers you brought in last year. You've remade that room. Plus, the big wide receiver last year that you brought into the room, Isaiah Williams, to really remake that yeah. thing. I mean, that's a different room than when they walked into Smith Center for the first time in 2021. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, okay, let's talk about Florida DB. I'm told that Zachary Toby um, out of Florida, really good offer list. The interesting thing is here, according to our guy Sean Bach at, at our Iowa site, he's dropped his Iowa official visit, which was supposed to be midweek. Still going to take his visit uh, to North Carolina. Uh, so Illinois got one of them out of the DBs who have visited. It feels like he's going to be difficult uh, just because of the options he has. Also took official visits to Boston College and UCF, but Illinois seems like one of the major players here and just a really good power five safety prospect. 6'1", 180. I think he's got some versatility to, to play both those positions there. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens with him. Don't have uh, – he doesn't talk a lot, so there, there's not much to go there. And then the other one I think is just a shoot your shot, right? Chris Tarek out of Glenbard West. They had Alex Pilstrom, who's a Glenbard West um, alum as well, host him for his official visit. Six foot six, two hundred ninety-five pounds. He mentioned Bart Miller would like him to play guard, but certainly seems to have the length uh, to potentially play tackle if they need him there. Uh, but Illinois offered him the same day as Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan, and he's visited all four of those schools. I think it's going to be difficult to, to beat Iowa or Wisconsin. I do feel like Illinois is in a better spot than Michigan. Uh, but if they're going to add another offensive lineman, they would love to add Chris Tarek. So they put their best foot forward. He's visited Illinois now uh, a couple times. You just hope the home state thing, and you hope he believes in what you were telling him about this program turning around. But when you have options like Iowa and Wisconsin, which are basically what Illinois wants to be, 
might be hard to, to beat an offensive lineman with those schools on board. Yeah, you couldn't blame him for picking either one of those two schools if that's what it came down to. Uh, Bart Miller basically had him one-on-one all weekend. He was the only offensive lineman on campus. Uh, you would think maybe that that would help Illinois just uh, not not to say that when there's multiple at one position, they're hurt, but I think just letting Bart spend 48 hours with the kid is could be beneficial, but it's also kind of the cherry on top of the offensive line class. I think they feel good about what they have with Zachary Amlin, with T.J. McMillan, with Rico Jackson. And if you could add another one, an in-state kid who is talented like Chris Tarek is, then you find a way to make it work. But I don't think that if he goes elsewhere, and I'm not trying to get ahead of this and like save Illinois either, if he goes elsewhere, I just think the reality is if he goes elsewhere, it's a tough loss because you, you didn't close the state like you would hope you did. But I don't think it completely craters your offensive line class either. I think we've seen losses – that it's like, oh, shoot, now what? Now, I don't know that this is the case with him. It'd just be a really, really good get if they could pull it off. Yeah, the one the one criticism you could have there is why didn't you offer earlier? Kansas offered early. I think there was one more. Uh, Duke offered early. So he's a really bright kid. He's had talent. Um, so those Power 5 schools jumped in early. But from what I heard, Illinois saw him, you know, he lost a lot of weight for wrestling, and then they saw him work out and said, yes, he's a no-doubter now. The problem is Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan saw the same thing and, and several other Power 5 programs. So Illinois was kind of in this wave, right? Um, but, you know, sometimes it helps to be up front. But Illinois did get him on campus before they offered. So they were recruiting him. It's the same thing with T.J. McMillan. They were recruiting him pretty hard, uh, but they just didn't know how the class would play out and they wanted to see uh you know more from Chris Tarek and evaluate him a little bit more so if you wanted to criticize you could um but they've done pretty well with their offensive line recruiting so I just think it would be a cherry on top of what already is a really good offensive line class all right Joey before we wrap this up I got a six-pack of questions for Illinois football recruiting you ready I thought you had a six-pack of beer I could I could go get one if you want it's 10 9 a.m but hey i don't need to be judged <laughs> all right over under five and a half more commitments in this class brett bielma told you last last month 12 to 15 uh i i, I don't know that 12 number always seemed pretty low to me they're already at 10 with several more targets on the board so you're going over or under five and a half more commitments in this class well, look, can we can I just run the math out loud here? Yeah. So if you get LZ and Hill, which is no guarantee, that puts you at twelve, and you still would. I'm gonna. I have to go over, right? I, I think sixteen feels right. I, seventeen feels high. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was seventeen, yeah. but sixteen feels just right. That gives you your two headliners that you wouldn't turn away you could put Derek in that you're not going to turn him away and then you would still have three other spots so i'm going to take over by a half yeah so my thing is you're going to take at least one receiver right you're going to take at least two more dbs you're going to take at least one more defensive lineman and then the question becomes well you want an edge right so if you can get calvin smith that's five already and then you're not turning down Chris Tarek. You're not turning down Lee Kelsey. You're not turning down Jair Hill. I don't think they should turn down Sabor Kareem. Like, they're not going to get all those guys, probably. But 
I, I think this could be seven more if it's the right guy. So if they had five on board already, Joey, and then LZ and Hill want to jump on board and Tarek wants to jump, why not take 18? I'd rather take that guy than a transfer, especially some of the kind of transfers they've been getting, right? So, like, I think I think they should take more than that. I think they will take more of that. If you said six and a half, I'd still have to think about it. like Because I, I look at the, the targets on the board – and I say they're not turning down these guys, and I feel like they're in a pretty good spot for them. So I would definitely go over the five and a half. I, I think we also have to be clear, and we're talking about this. We're talking about cutting into what they have kind of mentally allotted in the portal. Like yeah, from, from what better. I've understood, it's going to be like 15 and eight, like 15 prep, eight. But, they, you know, we can talk about that as an idea. It always changes, right? Like, we, like right. they're going to be fluid with it. Uh, and numbers can change now with the, the new scholarship rules. They could change by the time we're in next June, right? Like they, they could be having more scholarships open because there's attrition. Yeah. I, I just wanted to point out, like, this isn't where they would take these guys and have to figure out how to get to 85. This is, you would kind of figure out how you would approach the portal differently. I think that's kind of an important distinction to make. Right. All right. Who's your bet on who's next in this class? Well, apparently, according to JoJo Hayden, this bet is not going to be live for long. Uh, I'm going to Wiltshire. Uh, Moragan really interests me because he has an interesting decision, but he seems like he's been pretty committed to, to, you know, going through this process. And who could blame him if he's going to go camp at Purdue and Michigan? Um, But Wiltshire just seems like a, a guy that was on campus, the Florida thing. It's his first official visit. Uh, Indiana is also scheduled, but I, I can see him hopping on board if, if Illinois makes him a, a top priority, which which seems to be the case. So could be wrong in, in an hour, but I'm going to go with Canary Wilcher. Yeah, I think those are the two that, to me, it comes down to Wilcher or Moragan. Uh, Wilcher makes sense because, frankly, we saw another defensive back cut back on his official visit, right, and, and say he's no longer making it to me. That says something, and when, when you're talking recruiting, you've got to follow whatever whatever you can follow, and that's something to follow. And, he's, and that happened this morning, right? And then we have JoJo Hayden saying commitment, so you put two and two together. I, I would think it leaned towards DB there. All right, who do you feel better with, Malik Elzey or Jair Hill? Four-star in-state prospects. Elzey, the four-star wide receiver out of Chicago, Simeon, and Jair Hill, the four-star DB out of Kankakee, who we saw play in the seven-on-seven, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think my answer has changed over the last 10 days. I really like where I think Illinois stands with Jair Hill. I think Ryan Walters has done an exceptional job of of kind of locking in and making it clear that Jair Hill is number one, two, and three on his board right now. I mean, that is – he is as priority as priority gets, and Ryan Walters is is good at what he does, and I think he his pitch is resonating. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying they're going to get him, and I also don't think I feel like Malik Elsie is going to go elsewhere. I just the kind of the buzz or the vibe I feel with Jair Hill has gotten a little bit better in the last ten days. Yeah, let's just be clear. Like we witnessed him around the staff on the seven on seven. If you if you some Illini fans, I see an Illinois recruit wearing Illinois gear, and it almost is like the reverse reaction because of what Joel Billingsley uh, or Sean Livingston did. But he came in wearing a family T-shirt, you know, ILL family. And then just the interaction with the staff was real. 
uh, how how excited they got around Jair. Uh, but yeah, like Michigan has been involved for a long time, but he didn't commit on that official visit like Deacon Tonielli did. He's going to Missouri this weekend, and Missouri has been very involved, and I'm not going to overlook them because Eli and his staff have done really well. Um, but I, I just think, you know, he doesn't say much, but when I talked to him the other day, like there's definitely a resonance of, of maybe helping turn this program around. And, you know, watching him, Joey, I saw Antonio Johnson between his sophomore and junior year, and he just jumped out to me at this All-American camp. And I said, that guy's different with how long, fluid, athletic, and how competitive he is. I'm not saying Jair Hill is going to be a first-round draft prospect like Antonio Johnson likely will be this year, but he's got that kind of vibe to him. And I just think he'd be a massive get. And I agree with you. I'm starting to feel better about where they land. I think it's between Illinois and Michigan at this point, and I feel like Illinois has got a little bit of momentum there. The other one, Malik Elzey, Illinois seems like they've been confident through this, but Cincinnati also feels confident. So it's it's one of those where it's like, man, this kid seems to be really debating this. And after an official visit to, to Cincinnati, you hope Illinois can continue, you know, their you know, continue having like momentum there that he doesn't sway towards Cincinnati because it was the latest one uh, that he visited. So it's gonna be really interesting to see when he decides, where he decides. But Illinois had a had contact with him. Right before the Cincinnati visit, I'm sure they've been in contact with him uh, in the last day or so since he's ended that visit. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think I, I say Jair Hill because I think it's panic button on Malik Elzey. I, I just feel like that's kind of what I've seen. And maybe maybe I'm just a little surprised by how different my feeling of Hill is now versus a week and a half ago. I, I want to just go back to the seven-on-seven seven real quick. That dude was awesome to watch play football. Like, he may have been on the fringe of starting between one and 16 fights mm-hmm. during seven on seven because he is very vocal. And Illinois there. loved it. <laughs> yeah, was, they loved like, that. <laughs> and I don't think, like, he, he's very passionate on the field. He also, and some people might hear this, like, uh, he, like, smoked some people during seven on sevens, which are, very much not built to have somebody smoke some people. He had to be. He was. He, was really he had to be reminded. That's two hand touch. Yeah, <laughs> several, several times. Which he'd remind them that he touched somebody with two hands. It just came with a pretty fair amount of force yeah. behind it. I, I just watching that was the first time I'd seen him play in person, and it's just it's an energy like you just yeah. feel him out there. it was just really fun it was a fun seven on seven to watch which isn't always the case which is what i wrote about because like sometimes you get the he's such a quiet kid to us uh even coaches during his official visit i heard he didn't say much right but like he, you see him on the field and he finds his voice and he just comes alive and he's the loudest person on the field and then you get him off the field two minutes later and the fact that i got a three-minute interview out of him was like amazing right like um that that's the kind of kid he is, and I, I, Illinois loves that. Like, what's the phrase people say? He's got that dog in him. <laughs> like, that's that's what Jair Hill is on the field. When you combine that, the love for the game, the competitiveness on top of the physical talent, like we have him one sixty one in the country for twenty four seven sports. I know some others have him lower. We had him as a three star at one point. I thought that was insane. We bumped him up to one sixty one. I I agree with that. He. 
he reminds me of, as I said, Antonio Johnson, but like he's got some Terry Hawthorne to him of like, I think he's a top, no doubt, 200 prospect in the country. And that's that's what we're talking about. If, if they're able to land Jair Hill, he's the kind of athlete, kind of player they haven't landed in a while. And I'll say the same thing about Malik Elzey, 6'3", 200 pounds. The, I saw him play against JCA, and he had like 90 yards, five catches in a game that his team got blown out in. He only had like seven targets. But what I loved about him was his physicality on defense. Like he he's a very competitive individual on top of the talent, so that's why those two guys are so important because they're the kind of skill players, skill athletes Illinois has not had in a long time. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and it's my last point about Hill is we just talked earlier about like the Florida defensive back kind of mentality that he could transfer to a Florida school right now and like share all the personality traits with his fellow defensive back he i i know i'm beating this uh you know kind of to death here but that dude is fun to watch play football all right joey moving on what's the biggest need remaining in the class for you it still has to be a wide receiver until yeah. proven otherwise uh you you want to maybe say defensive line would be my honorable mention but it has to be wide receiver there's still that, that could be answered in the next two to three weeks if, if it comes down to that there's still some really good malik elsey's still out there Torre is still out there. But that right now, until you get one, it's that. I agree with you. I think it's wide receiver. DB, they're starting to address, right? So I, I feel like DB and, and wide receiver are the top two there. I, I would include defensive line, but I feel like they're going to add one, right? Whether it's Mason Moragan, uh, Ian Jeffries, potentially going to visit this weekend. And J- Jamal Howard uh, out of Chicago Marist uh, went to Wisconsin, didn't commit. I'm told the plan is uh, for him at least to visit. So I'm interested if they add more than one more defensive lineman. I'm not sure they will, uh, but I do think defensive line adding one more is is really important. Uh, speaking of linemen, does Illinois add another offensive lineman in this class? Uh, so it comes down to Brandon Henderson from East St. Louis, who visited Illinois, also visited Iowa State, and Chris Tarek. Do you win one of those? I, I think they would. I, I absolutely think they would add one more. Will they? I don't know. I, I think Tarek is still an uphill battle. I'm going to say no, but not very comfortably. I agree with everything you said. So I don't have much to add. Like, can you land Brandon Henderson? Um, I don't know because Iowa State's done a fantastic job. I think Tarek's going to be really difficult to land. But I agree. I think they would like. Uh, to take one of those guys. Because uh, I, I would worry about the numbers later. Those are two really good prospects. So in my opinion, I think you take one of those guys, you push for one of those guys if you can get them. Who's a target we need to talk more about in this class? I'll start. Sabor Kareem. I, I love him. Six foot three, uh, 180 pounds, length, athleticism, fluid. Uh, he's not a four-star prospect, but I think he's of that caliber. Uh, I think Sabor Kareem is a guy we need to talk a little bit more about because it's down to Illinois and Duke. And I think Illinois should win that battle. Even for a kid from New Jersey, uh, I think they should win that kind of battle. So I'm going to go with Sabor Kareem because I think he'd be one of the best gets in this class. I'm going to go – maybe it's because I've not thought about him a lot. I always felt like Wisconsin was going to be the home, and it may still, still may well be. But Jamel Howard, you are planning to get him on campus next weekend – meaning he did not commit to Wisconsin last. So you're still in the fight, and that's an in-state win. 
their opportunity to win, that, that would be a really big deal at a position of need. And you pair him and Harkless together if it came down to that. And that's a nice that's a nice rebound from the panic and freak out that was at the end of May about defensive line recruiting. Now, I don't know if they're going to do it, but the fact that you still have a chance to, to be in that fight after a Wisconsin official, th- that is – that's something to monitor. My, my question is, after adding Harkless, do you add another nose guard if you can get Moragan on board? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I love Jamal Howard. I would take him. But it's just going to be like the the numbers game that we talked about is is so interesting uh, right now. All right, Joey, we got anything else to add? Uh, there's a lot going on in football recruiting. It feels like the next two, mo- two weeks, three weeks, because we saw some guys, Aiden Lawfrey decided in July, right? Took some time to think about it. Jared Beatty committed on 4th of July. Uh, Sean Miller took some time to, to figure it out, right? Like that he's going to pick Illinois. I think he was July commitment. So some of these guys might go into July to take some time, but I think the next two to three weeks, uh, we're going to see Illinois potentially fill up its class, which is, which is pretty amazing. Okay, so my question is, I was at a wedding last 4th of July. I woke up from a rehearsal dinner at a cool 11.30 on the 4th of July. That's early for uh, you. Will there, thank you. Uh, will there be a 4th, of, will, will a 4th of July commitment be in the cards for us to cover this year? Because remember, Sincere Harris basketball, I believe, was the 2nd, July 2nd, and then it went right into Jared Beatty. Will there be... Will there be it again? Yeah, I got I got a follow up question for you, but it's just so they can say fireworks, right? Like, and we can use Illinois gets Fourth of July fireworks in the headline. Um, yeah, probably, probably some somebody will do it on Fourth of July uh, with like a bald eagle edit in the background. Um, what is the worst holiday to potentially commit on? Because recruits, can I be honest with you? It's not my day, but I have to work when you guys commit on there. Can we not do the holiday commitments? Like I'd rather you do your birthday commitments, like th- those are those are better for me. <laughs> if I'm being I selfish mean, here, don't do. I, Owen Carney was Christmas. I don't know if I've ever yeah. forgiven Owen Carney for Christmas. Yeah, Christmas and Thanksgiving are the tough ones. Um, I'm gonna level with you. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day for me. I, let's just say mostly New Year's Day. If you're doing New Year's Eve. Let's cut that off at about 5 p.m. And if it's New, New Year's, Year's Day, Day is a non-starter. New Year's Day, it's got to be, got to be before it, the Rose Bowl, but after, at least after noon. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 8 p.m. is your target audience on New Year's Day, if you can swing it. But also, just don't. Do we say this? Do we sound horrible? Yes. Kids? Yes. We 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 are being selfish here. I'm going to be selfish, but it's good content. Like. Christmas and New Year, or Christmas and Thanksgiving are the two tough ones. Outside of that, I don't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Big sweetest day guy, Joey. Like you can get upset if somebody does it on sweetest day. No, I don't. <laughs> Just don't do it on Christmas and Thanksgiving, please. Gotcha. gotcha. Or, well, or if you do, kindly let us know on like the twenty third or twenty fourth of December, or the day like two days before Thanksgiving. So we can just have all of our stuff done. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Just fire it off. Yeah. And, yeah. and also don't, don't yell at us for being selfish because we're being super selfish. <laughs> I think we've used that qualifier, but come on. Like you also want to get the most traction of your commitment, right? And if you do it on Christmas, how many people are going to be tuned in for that? Um, if you're doing it on like new year's day, like 
all right, they did that. I'm watching the Rose Bowl or I'm watching bowl games, right? So you want more engagement on it, don't do it on holidays is all I'm saying. So it's it's not just selfish, even though it is very selfish. But we're giving Except them some the advice. The 4th of July will get all the engagement because everybody will have firework in the headline. Yeah. 4th of July is a sneaky, really good holiday to commit on. Yeah, and that's not a bad one if you're doing it like morning, early afternoon, right? That's not a terrible one. People talk about it at their 4th of July parties. So there you go. All right, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll try and do our YouTube live stream. We'll try to have less old man takes, media takes that nobody cares about. Like uh, my, my biggest media take is I love 11 a.m. football games because uh, I get to go home. Uh, we get we get to watch other games. Uh, Joey is not a fan of those because he doesn't have kids. Oh, I don't have kids. I just don't understand how you can cover a game on Friday night to see a recruit and then have a drive to campus. And like that feels like a very small window of sleep. And it's not even... Welcome well, to my yeah, world, Joey. <laughs> yeah, to, to me, it's not even like a, a battling a hangover. I don't... Not, not for 11 a.m. It's just that I enjoy sleep. It's the same reason, Joey, I love red-eye flights. Because I hate spending my entire day waiting for something. Right? I'd rather get it done or do it late at night so I can do something else during the day. Like a, two, like a 1 p.m., 2 p.m. kickoff. Like, I can't... That's all I'm doing the entire day. Which, for the most part, it's, that's most of a game. But 11 a.m., I get a little bit of football watching time late at night. Get to maybe tuck in the kids... Hang with the wife a little bit. I uh, can't do that with a with a two thirty game. So that's that's, that's why I, I that's why my hot media take that's against everybody else because I get it tailgating man for a two got game. Yeah, that's great stuff. I don't hate eleven a.m. because I'm I'm not usually doing anything the night before. My my thing is always what could I be doing the night before that would cause me a slower day the next day. I just don't let people in because Jeremy Werner is the king of like. Hey, we're flying in. We'll, we'll leave Chicago at about one. We'll get there, get in time to get some dinner, maybe have a few beers, and we'll cover the game the next day. And then if we stay again, it's, hey, the flight out is at six, alarms firing off here at 2.30 in the morning. It's going to be this wild Uber ride in Charlottesville that was just a tremendously uncomfortable ride. But it was the last one as we cruised through the, the woods at 3 o'clock in the morning. Other people on the beat do enjoy the very last flight out that they can possibly get. And I might need to start partnering with them because Jeremy Werner is a 6 a.m.er Brett on the flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we are 6 a.m. flights, hey, Jeremy Werner. You, 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 you team with Barons if you want. Uh, if you want to go on a different flight, that's fine. Well, I also don't want to fly out at like 11.30 the next night either. <laughs> Well, you pick out your own flights then next time, buddy, guy. No, no, no. I, I do enjoy just showing up. That's, that's my favorite part of the job is just showing up. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, thank you for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Thanks to all of you who watched on YouTube Live. We'll try and do this uh, more often in the future, especially with the post-game stuff, uh, emergency podcasts. Uh, just another way you guys can uh, consume us on the YouTube page uh, as well. So give us a follow there uh, for the next time we do this. But appreciate you listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, a rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's more... Illinois football news in the the coming future and there will be in the coming weeks uh, we will do more podcasts so stay tuned but everybody take care of each other have a great day stay cool and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast
The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms of life.